Welcome to a football show here, of course, live on the 440 Sports Network, live from the Cast Collective Studio. He is Zach. I am Braden, hanging out here on a Monday afternoon. We were so enthralled and engrossed with our Titans depth chart that we just started the show a couple minutes too late today. So we were just kind of sitting here chit chatting, acting like <laughs> no care in the world, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I think we're a little late. Wait a second, there's a punter battle? Huh. There might be. There might be. More on that in a second, of course. They have uh, already been won. Uh, all right. Oh. Okay. All right. Settle down. Uh, all right. Today on the show, we went we went through the offense, things that we're excited about, things we're concerned about with each section of the offense on Thursday's show. Go check that out, of course. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We're going to do that on today's show on the defensive side. Right. So we got defensive linemen. We got outside linebackers. We got inside linebackers. We got corners and safeties. And maybe we'll even touch on some special teams. That's not a joke. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and uh, Willis, Malik Willis, practicing on Sunday and Monday. Some improvements, we think, from Thursday, what we saw. Really, even starting on Friday's uh, practice, he had some good stuff. That is absolutely true as well. Um, some some offensive line conversation, because we can't ever have a show without some offensive line conversation, so we'll do that. And then, of course, a lot of talk about the official, unofficial depth chart that they have to put out because the NFL twists their arm and makes them put out a depth chart, even though we know full well that Mike Vrabel and John Robinson have no desire to put out a depth chart. So we'll do all of that. But there is some interesting takeaways. Like, uh, compared to last year when everybody only wanted to argue if Jeff Swain was actually starting tight end, which he obviously was. I don't even know why it was ever an argument, Buck. But <laughs> that's that's where we're at. Uh, so lots of fun stuff to do on the show today. We also are going to argue about fantasy football a little bit later on, but that's a little bit later on in, in the show today. Um, I do want to say, uh, of course, special thanks to all of the wonderful people that make this product go. The Kingston Group, buildkg.com is the website. If you have any problems or questions or ideas about what your house what your house could be, if you want to do a renovation, buildkg.com is, of course, the website. That's the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. And, of course, Weiss Liquors, uh, right there on Gallatin, Main Street, uh, over there in East Nashville, the closest one to the Titan Stadium. So even for pre preseason games, stock up on all your tailgate stuff, of course. And use this, just say 440, just say 440 when you go in there, get 10% off, that's tax-free booze. And more importantly, Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, and have the booze come right to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes. I'm not sure what else you need for your weekends. Oh, Weiss, I'm, I'm Weiss actually Liquors. stopping off at Weiss Liquors today after the show. If you, if you diehard F-words and football show fans would like to I hound will, I will wear a helmet and sunglasses nobody can find me if you would like to hound Zach Lyons please swing by like after I'm the just show there today. to get some margaritas that are pre-mixed and then I'm leaving <laughs> that's so classy of you yeah pre-mixed margaritas hey, skinny girl margaritas is a staple in the household very good is that is that you the wife or Huxley it's a, it's the wife but I also drink it okay all right fair enough uh so again special thanks to all of our great sponsors and again if you want to host an event here at this beautiful studio cast collective Make sure you check them out, the cast collective. Every time we come in, there is some new technology happening behind the scenes. They're improving every time we're here. Some might say they're the next evolution of the event space. I like it. Like we are the next evolution of you the pod, know the podcast. The podcast, a audio, video. Yeah, they are the next evolution of the studio space. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, all right. So if you want to get into the comments, of course, we'll take your questions, comments about all the things that we've seen at Titans. It's practice. actual fo football. So, so like we can give you actual answers to questions, not just opinions. It's more of this is what we've seen. This is what we saw on Thursday, you know, for next Monday's show. So, yes. you know, when you're watching a game, write down all your questions and come give them to us. That is ex that is exactly what you should do. And turn on all your notifications, of Turn course. them all on. At F Words Pod, 
uh, at Broadway Sports Media, at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports, of course. Uh, I've got all some- on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, turn them all on. Boom, there you go. Donnie says, those do taste good. So apparently we have margarita takes. It is. On the show. They're well. very, they're very good. Okay, and, and, they're loca- and they're locale. So like, the, you know, to me, this is they fr- have a spicy one, a grapefruit one, and a regular one. I'd never do the grapefruit one, but the spicy one is perfect. Free shouts. No free shouts. Is that, is that what the, that's the, that's the, the, the thing? Free shout, no free shout. You got to say it that way. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, not a Twitter bro. Yeah, so I'm not not copying that <laughs> place. <laughs> who cares? Who cares about a shout out? I like a product. You should know about the product. Go buy the product. There you go. Depth chart for your Tennessee Titans. Of course, the Ravens game coming up on Thursday. So Thursday's show will have a, a, a more fully throated preview of that game. What to look for. Uh, a lot of it will focus on Malik Willis, I'm sure. So we'll yeah. talk about that today. But the depth chart is out. Again, the Titans do not want to do this. They would rather, you know, bathe in sulfuric acid than put out a depth chart, but they are required to by the NFL, so we get to look at one, Zach. If, if they could not put out there. a team at practice, I think they would do that. That's how much they hate revealing anything. They would rather practice inside like a gymnasium yeah. with secret service surrounding it where nobody can get in. Blacked out windows D- and everything. Despite that being a, a far worse way to practice and develop your players. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all about the media. So, uh, nothing, in my opinion, I know you've got a lot of stuff here. We're going to talk about some of the more interesting parts of the depth chart, but we're going to start in a place that no other show in this market is going to start. You need to answer that. We're going to start. (laughs) It says metric government of Nashville. That's not good. Oh, man. Coming after me. Um, We are going to start someplace that no other show discussing the Tennessee Titans depth chart anywhere anywhere in in, in the media. The the radio, the television, uh, the the, the digital space, of course, where most of you live. Um, We're going to start with the punter today on the podcast. The punter. I think that this is Ryan just Stonehouse. a, this is a little like from everything I've heard from you, from people that went to camp that were fans and all this stuff, Ryan Stonehouse is just killing the game and punting footballs, footballs. Yes. Just, they're just, just murdering footballs. And I think when you look at Brett Kern, I think that the, if I were betting money, I think he retires here in a few weeks. Wouldn't that save face and give him paid too? Because if not, I think he gets cut and he loses out on $2.2 million because the Titans would save that much money. If he retires, he stays under contract, right? So he can't go to another team without being traded, but he gets to save face and say, I'm retiring with the team that has taken his chance on me. Obviously Ryan Stonehouse out here is killing it. It's time to, for the next generation of the great MVP punter to come (laughs) out. Uh, I'm kind of feeling that, I think the only thing that has really prevented Ryan Stonehouse from completely taking over the job and making the leap and correct me if I'm wrong is his, the trust in the team from fat Randy for him to hold the kick. Oh yeah. I I thought you were going to say sort of like the, um, I I don't know if it would be considered like the nostalgia of Brett Kern as like a player, because there is value there to the community, to the team. And um, that let's just, let's just say hypothetically, you are correct, and that hypothetically, folks inside the Titans organizations have been thinking about this. Hypothetically, that would be a really brutal tweet to put out. Like, like put, I, out, put out a press that. release and a tweet like, "We've yeah. cut Brett Kern." That would go over very poorly with the fans, even if it is the right, right. move. Well, th- see, that's what I said, and then I m- to Mike Kernan and Justin Mello, they we were both kind of ta- all three talking punters at the time, that's, and they kind of <laughs> made it seem like, like a fun Friday night. <laughs> They made it seem they made it seem like that 
it wouldn't be that bad of a tweet. It would, people would understand because of his years over the last year and a half and how he's played. You just, you are you with, obviously you disagree with him. Right? I, I think I do disagree. I think that first off, it's Twitter. Everybody's going to look to be angry about something Instantly. and they love being angry. Titans Twitter loves being angry. So I, I think they're underestimating the, um, the love of Brett, the Kern, acid Kern. and love of Brett. Yes. It's, but it's also the love of just hating on someone else. No, no, you're right. The, the, the acidity of the sewers. Yes. Is bad. We need to work on the high pH. pH Balance. We need to work on the pH balance. Yeah. Of the you beat me to the pH joke. Yeah. Uh, good, good, good chemistry knowledge from both there of us from high school. We uh, had a pond. It's it, it is the um it, it the, what's the far right part of the periodic table the uh, the, the the some sort of gases the noble gases the noble gases they're they're all over Twitter the noble gases so it's the acidity of the big Twitter sewers. Gases. I'm a big boron guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, that what are we talking about? This the acidity of the Twitter sewers and then the just the pure love of the player, the personality off the field, like the things that he brings to the team. Just again, in general, he's a great interview. That's why I think retiring is the, is the choice see, for everybody because I can it, see it. It gets, keeps him getting paid. It helps the Titans not putting out a, Hey, we cut current tweet. Yeah. And it lets the team hold on to his rights for the full season. So he can't go anywhere. And I, and I think that's, that's all. If, seems if, good. If, listen, if I was, if I was friends with Brett Kern, I don't know. Maybe he watches the show. I assume everybody watches the show. So Brett Kern, <laughs> as a friend, I am telling you, I think it's time for you to retire because you get to keep all your money and you get to save some face of not being a cap casualty. I don't know if it's a cut casualty, camp casualty, wherever you want to put I it. I think you make a great point. And I think the biggest point we should be making here is that I think there is a large percentage of Titans fans that don't realize this is a very dead even battle for the spot. Do, but like what about like your what about the holding the field goals? You know, the being the, you know, the holder. I think it has to be a factor. But again, if if, if you if you get rid of Kern, I hate saying get rid of Kern, but if Kern were to leave the team, you would get a lot of reps in with Stonehouse as the you know, holder. I've never, that's true, you would. I've never wanted to ask Mike Grable a question at a press conference, but I might ask him, what have you seen from Ryan Stonehouse's ability to hold field goals? There you go. <laughs> but I mean, I think this is a real possibility. Yeah, are you, get, are you, getting, what not, are you yeah. getting what you want from the Stonehouse uh, holding situation? I, I think this is a real possibility. I, I wouldn't even put out the possibility. Here's what I'll say. They would carry, I would believe that they would carry two kickers or two punters before they let Ryan Stonehouse hit the practice squad. That's probably valid. And I think that the reason they would keep Brett Kern on is because they don't necessarily need the $2.2 million in cap money. No. So that's not a real technical reason, even though that is a, a valid reason to cut someone. I don't think that's one of the reasons, but the the holding of the field goals. I mean, uh, I know you're paying a lot of money for a field goal holder, <laughs> but I'm just saying I think there's a real possibility that I, I think that the, if I were putting them in here, I think Brett Kern retirement number one. Okay. Brett Kern's cut number two. Okay. Carrying two punters number three. And then uh putting Ryan Stonehouse Cutting on the practice Stonehouse. squad. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um uh, Michael just <laughs> said, Hey, I just logged on. First of all, join the show. Okay. At one o'clock. We start at one o'clock. Um, no, thank you for your comment. Or, or is, did they cut Kern or is Zach just against keeping two punters or two field goal holders? Uh, no, he has not been cut. We just are starting the show where no one else is starting. And that is that there's a very real punter battle and there's a very real chance that Brett Kern is not on the field or on the team. And you have laid out how that could happen while everyone gets to save face and be involved. If he's booming, if Ryan Stonehouse punters. is booming punts as much as everybody says he is, I don't see why they would let him go to waivers, go to the practice. I, I get it. 
I think that's enough punter talk. Okay. Where else would you like to go? Do you want to go slashes? I want to go slashes on the depth yeah, chart. The, You're the, into the slashes. The slashes are, I feel like, are new to me. Overrated guitar player, by the way. Yes, I, I don't. Wow. I agree. I don't. I don't think though. I look at it as you know they got Caleb Farley slash Roger McCreary. I think that's is a that, good battle. Is it is it a battle or is it just it's Caleb Farley's job? Roger McCreary is probably going to start on Thursday while Caleb Farley doesn't. Yes. Yeah. See, I that, think it's a very close battle. It's hard I, for me to like. I don't think Aaron Brewer slash Jamarco Jones is even worth I putting on there. They wasted literal ink <laughs> and time by putting a slash between there. I think it's like a key key type. Yeah, there. But that, that takes that takes a it, while. It does. It takes a time. Uh, Michael says he just got home from work at eight PM here. Um, love your show from across the pond. Look, we are Look worldwide now. We're global. We are international here on a football global. show. Uh, no, I think. I, I would agree that Farley want. I think it's closer. How about this? I think it's more realistic to think that Farley and McCreary could still be in battling in theory and that McCreary might start and that Farley maybe needs to come up to speed with maybe they're worried about the knee or something. I, I don't know. I, to me, it's less likely that Jamarco Jones takes the left guard spot. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that it's unless Aaron Brewer goes down with injury, there's no chance that Jamarco Jones. I would put like it at zero percent chance Jamarco Jones is your left guard unless there's injury. Okay, so that that I agree. This is the this is the depth chart Zach's got right here. This yeah. little slash down here in the defensive back section that feels like a real slash. This slash is fraudulent. So you I feel like that see, slash is to me. Fraudulent. It's to me. I don't feel like it's a real slash just because the there's no Nickelback. Last year, they I believe last year they had the Nickelback slot on the depth chart. Well, even on this, they've got two tight ends as a starting formation. Yeah, which, we which know I'm not surprised is, that like when you get into, right. I'm not surprised NWI and Robert Woods are your one and two. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if they take. And first off, for this particular team, being a starter, doesn't wide receiver, cornerback doesn't really matter. Doesn't anything that, doesn't mean anything. Again, that's why I think this slash is sort of just like a hey, they're ball, they're all going to play, and yeah. this slash is like a is just an actor. It's yeah. just trying to fool us into thinking that Jamarco Jones has a chance to play over yeah. Aaron Brewer. Um, now, is there a slash in between, or do you want to save the Nicholas petit Frere conversation well, for later, I, or do you want to get I, into it I now? do think that there is now, but my, my opinions have changed, and maybe the opinions of the team have changed, apparently, that there is now a real competition at right tackle, but we'll talk about that later. That's a tease. So save that slash till later. Go to Weiss Liquors. Get yourself some margaritas. And settle in for that slash conversation later on. In so the pod. we're talking about how it doesn't really matter. And tied in, Jeff Swaim is the opposite starting tight end. If they come out and run the ball in the first play, guess who's going to be out there? Jeff Swaim. Jeff Swaim. Yeah. The, these these starters right here are going to be out there. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Although Burks could eventually take eventually, Nick, but I'm Nicholas just talking West about Kenny. week one first yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what I'm talking about because that's really all this is good for is tell you what's going to happen yeah. at week one. So wide receivers right now are Nicholas Weck. Nick Nicholas. Why did I say Nicholas? Nicholas? Nick Westbrook Akine, Traylon Burks, Racy McMath. Then the other wide receiver is Robert Woods, Kyle Phillips, Des Fitzpatrick. Those are the six. Now I would say this, and I talked to a lot of people at practice on Monday. Racy McMath had another good practice. Mason Kinsey had a great practice. Des Fitzpatrick has not had as as many good practices lately. I feel like Des was in my head at number four when we started camp, and he's down to six. Racy was like seven. Now he's up to five. Phillips has cemented himself as a top three or four receiver, probably three at this point, uh, maybe four with Westbrook. I, I, think, I think it's four, but I think in, at the end of the day, those four are clearly yes. ahead, and those four will probably all have like 40% snaps, right? I mean, yes. like Robert yes. Woods will have the most, but I think yes. like when you look at NWI, Traylon Burks, and Kyle Phillips, they're going to be sharing so many snaps. Yes. They'll probably all end up at like 40-something percent. I, I did sort of a loose, unscientific poll of the media today as to who, who everyone's fifth and sixth receiver is. 
And I got this literal response from people if you're watching on YouTube. I, I don't know. <laughs> like from, I think, from like respected so smart surprised. football media people. I, I think to me it's I think Ray, Racy McMath is clearly as the well as he's playing he's practicing right now and the fact that he does special teams. I think Racy McMath is clearly your fifth wide receiver. Now, here's how I view it. The top four wide receivers, you got Robert Woods, NWI, uh Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips. Then you have Racy McMath. Then you have Mason Kinsey, Des Fitzpatrick battling out with Terry Godwin, Josh Malone, and Reggie Roberson, and all those guys. I don't think Brandon Lewis is going to make this. No, he's not at all. No, he's not. Now, Kinsey uh, makes, like, he did it again on Monday. Like, he just keeps catching passes and making plays. He did that last year. So. He did that in the preseason last year. It's, to me, it's, it's it's hard to find figure out. Mason Kinsey and Kyle Phillips are not battling for a roster spot. No, so then no, 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 when no, you look no. at it, what is this team likely going to keep? A six foot something receiver that is a big body, or are they going to keep a little small guy? So here's a good here's an interesting debate because here's what I would say: McMath has moved on my original depth chart when we did this podcast. Yeah, we didn't even think he was going to make it. I had McMath at seven and not on here. I had Malone at number six with Des Fitzpatrick at number five. So what I have done now is McMath because of a few things. He is a physical person that does things that no one else on this team can do. He's, I don't want to say starting to make contested catches. I don't like saying freak because it's no, just, but I mean, he technically is a freak with the way that he does yes. stuff, but he's not a, he's an athletic freak. He is not a NFL freak athlete. No, 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 no. He, I think that's a better that's, way to put that's it. That's fair. Yes. Um, but at his size and his skill set to go down the field, which the only other guy that really can do that is Burks on this team. And with the special teams value, I think I have also moved him up to five. So to me, it is, Mason Kinsey, Des Fitzpatrick, Josh Malone, Terry Godwin, uh, and Reggie Roberson for for one spot. Yeah. <laughs> and I would put right now, I would probably put Des Fitzpatrick, Mason Kinsey, and Josh Malone as the three. I would say God, I would say Godwin. I don't think he, Godwin makes the team. You don't think no. he, even though he's showing up and doing everything nope. like an NFL I receiver? Think he's a scout team guy. Yeah. So, but here's the thing Kinsey can return punts. Fitzpatrick can't. Kinsey can back up Phillips. Fitzpatrick can't. So to me, if I'm looking to find a piece that does some other things differently, maybe it's Kinsey. Also, do you feel comfortable about keeping Kinsey on your practice squad? No one's going to sign him. That might be a factor yeah. here. Um, Josh Malone is more the guy that sort of can do everything. Um, Roberson is a little bit more one-dimensional. I, I think it's a really interesting problem to have, but I agree that I've gone McMath from seven to five. And now I think it's Kinsey, Fitzpatrick, Malone for that last spot. And I think Fitzpatrick right now, if I had to guess, would get it because he was a fourth-round pick. And he's well, a he was on guy. practice squad last year. And he so was on a practice squad. You can't use squad. the fourth round. You can't use the no, fourth I mean, round. You're right. You're right. Yeah, but I, he did win an award. So maybe that helps helps push him up there. And he has improved. But Kinsey just makes more plays, like, just all the time. Just real quick, uh, Laurel Murchison, not surprised that he's down this low. And people tried to argue with me in group no, chats with you. that, oh, well, Murch is definitely going to make the team. His roster is not in jeopardy. Well, that proves to be... Grossly uh, underestimating how bad Merch has been. He's only that's made one play. Uh, Chance Campbell's moved up on the depth chart, but that's mainly because Monty Rice. I think Dr. Gibby, I think having a nickname is very important. It's like when you get a dog, you're not a stray dog. You're not supposed to name it because you get attached to it, and they've nicknamed him. Do they get attached to the nickname? Who knows? <laughs> um I, I think someone that can make the roster, and I've talked about it for a few weeks now since he was signed, is Shakur Brown, who keeps just making uh, plays. He did it again on, on Monday. He had another couple of really nice plays. And people are like, who's 36? I'm like, or no, who's 38, right? Shane Carter's 36. And he's like, 
Like they just keep making plays. Um, and we'll get to Willis here in a second because that's an interesting conversation because he's going against a lot of these guys. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is that a lot of times when you see Carter or Shakur Brown make a play, it's a lot of times it's against Woodside and, and Willis. When I talked about Shakur Brown, I went back and looked at it because I did a, a, a mock draft for the 2021 draft. And I did a mock draft and I picked someone else over Shakur Brown. I can't remember who it was, but I did talk about Shakur Brown being a guy that can make plays at the NFL level because he could just be, he's a lot like Roger McCurry. He's just going to be yeah. where he's supposed to be. And I think with the way that this team is treated, Buster Screen, Greg Maven, these guys that, uh, uh, what was his name? The guy from, um, oh, there's another one everybody fell in love with, a cornerback. I don't know. There's a cornerback that's not on the team anymore. I think he's with the Falcons. But there's another undrafted guy that's made the team. They're oh, not yeah. afraid to put undrafted free agents yeah. on this team. The guy was from UT Chattanooga, who I'm thinking about. Now, now let's be clear. Christian Fulton, Elijah Molden, Chris Jackson are your three starters. Farley, McCreary, Greg Maben are your other three starters. And then it is seven. And then it is Carter and Brown and uh, as like the next two. So if you're going to go seven and eight right now, it's Carter and Brown battling with Chris Jackson and Greg Maben. I think Chris Jackson makes the team. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's Maben, Carter and Brown for one spot. In theory, if you're going to keep six, if you want to keep seven, I think they may end up keeping seven, just how much they play diamond with Elijah Molden and three quarterbacks and yeah. two punters. Something's I don't know give. about the two punters. Two punters was number three on most likely to have five running backs. I mean, no, I'm. I think Trenton Cannon's going down. No, Jordan Wilkins. No, okay. right. Jordan Wilkins is a is a just a guy. I'm not falling okay. in love with Jordan Wilkins just because he's getting reps. Because Derrick Henry's out, I'm not he's falling in love first with first team reps in the in the two minute I'm not, drill. I'm not worried that Hassan Haskins is down here at the bottom because guess what? He's a rookie. They typically would put rookies down here at the very last. We talked about that last year when the depth sure. chart came out. Sure. And I think that Trenton Cannon, if Don Terrell Hillard is going to be the kickoff returner and he can do just as much as what Trenton Cannon does, they're going to get rid of Trenton oh, Cannon. Oh, I like Don Terrell Hillard ahead of Trenton Cannon. I, yeah. I'm saying and there's no point in keeping Wilkins him. is getting more run than Cannon is, and that's what's been weird. Yeah. Like, that's what's been I, strange I, to me. I think that's probably because Hillard was wearing the yellow jersey today, so I think he got a little bit more action than what you would see. Oh, he, this, was on, this was on Thursday he was running with the first team in two-minute drill. Yeah, but didn't he fumble oh, or something? Yeah, I think he did. So yeah. I, I just... He's a loser. He... <laughs> He's played in the NFL a little bit longer than some of the other guys. So yeah, that, but he's not good. All right, not good. When you're not good, you're not good. That's the that's the that's the uh, analysis you need. Uh, Kevin Strong is on here as backup to Jeffrey Simmons. That's more of a sixth defensive lineman. Yeah, uh, where we know Nyquan Jones, Demarcus Walker, Autry Tartan, Simmons are your first five. It feels they're like they're the means, only five they're gonna they make. Which it. means Walker's pretty clearly above that cut line, and those are your five. And the next group would be Kevin Strong, Jordan Peavy, Murchison. All fighting for probably, if anything, Deshaun Hands is listed higher than Murchison, so yeah. don't forget him. No, I like P you, I've told you since the beginning PB. of all these guys I, uh, to make a sixth defensive lineman. If they do it, I like PV the most of all of them. Mm -hmm. But it looks like right now that none of them are scheduled to be there. Um, again, Cole and Campbell, you mentioned those guys. Dennehy behind Landry, and we're going to go through the defense here in a minute, so we don't need to spend too much yeah. time on this. Uh, I think we can get into. You want to go to? Let's go to Petit Frere, and uh, do you want to do that, or do you want to go into uh, Malik Willis? So we can go into uh, NPF here. Okay, and so it's very clearly a job. That's ooh, that's it's a it's a competition. It's clearly a competition. He's out there working with the ones just as much as Raiden's is the last couple of days. Um, physically, here's what's cool about this for Titans fans, in my opinion, and then I'll let you go here. They they both are physically very capable and look the part at right tackle. They are both physically um, good enough to do the things that that position requires. Neither of them really could. Now, 
in theory, could you play Raiden's at guard? Maybe, but I don't think that's the point. The point is that they are both tackles. I feel like it's if they were really pushing him at left guard, he would get more reps at left guard and everybody would be talking about it. Now, if you wanted to put the best, most physically gifted players on the line, you could go Raiden's left guard, MPF at right tackle. That's not where they're at right now with the development of these players. So the point is, is Raiden's, they came into camp, a lot of praise for Raiden's, offseason award for Raiden's, physically look different, ready to go, getting first team reps. And as the camp has gone along, MPF has gotten more and more reps with the starting unit. And now they're sort of rotating guys in to try to feel out who's the better fit. Well, MPF was a four-star recruit, if I'm not mistaken. I know he's the number one offensive tackle in America. Yeah. Five star number one so player. Five star, so one player in the country. You're, you're talking about a guy with a good pedigree, right? Yep. And he's coming in, and he's obviously a competitive guy, a very smart guy. Um, and so you're you're seeing that okay, they drafted him in the third round, but you're seeing him push a guy right now, which is a really good scenario, sort of. I think, it is. I think you know if NPF is the question on here, if NPF wins the right tackle job, dot dot dot. <laughs> but if NPF wins the right tackle job. That means that they really missed out on Dylan Radens to a point because that's pretty bad to lose to a guy that many deemed was really, really raw. Now, obviously, you take the raw oh. talent and you change, but what does that mean for the future of Dylan Radens? And I, I go to trade deadlines. I, I, I'm not going there yet with my head. My head is this line has battled so many injuries. And so, and here's another thing. Ben yeah. Jones, Ben Jones stepped out of practice. He was fine, not injured. He stepped out of practice kind of early. The old man rules, yeah. the old man treatment. He left practice early and they started moving guys around. And so I think what you have to be careful of is, especially going to trade deadline, which is we know Taylor Lewan has dealt with injuries. Ben Jones has dealt with injuries. We know Aaron Brewer may have some situational sit struggles with certain types of off defensive linemen or whatever. I think they want as like the most versatile and as and deepest collection of players they can get. And having to me, it's nothing but gravy that the fact that this really raw, very talented third round pick as a rookie is pushing for playing time. Like to me, that is a good thing. Yes, and, and and let me say, let's say this: they're pushing for playing time because both are playing really well. Yes, it's and not because Raiden sucks. Yeah, it's not because yeah, Raiden right. sucks. So that that's another thing is that it's a good problem to have, like yes. you're saying, because if NPF comes in and wins the job. That means he's just that good. Yeah, it speaks and he's more. He's undeniable. He's an undeniable force. It's, <laughs> it speaks more to his ability than Raiden's struggles. Yes. It's not a Raiden struggling thing. It's he's just. Because Vrabel even talked about fast. how today Raiden's is doing well at the top of his yeah. uh, pass protection, which is really good considering that the team needed pass protection like crazy last year. And the guy that he's replacing or NPF is replacing sucked at pass protection. Yeah. So. I, I know, think it's a good problem to have. I just hate, I, I just feel like it just clouds a little bit more around this 2020 draft class of, that of John Robinson. That doesn't that speak to the Fitzpatrick thing though, where you're kind of like, I don't care. I don't care anymore that he, I, I just mean like, I don't care anymore where he was drafted. Are you a contributor or not? And I still think Raiden's is your, one of your top six offensive linemen. Yeah. So like if you have a depth chart of eight guys or, or you're keeping or nine or 10 with your practice squad, Where's Raiden's ranked? Well, he still ranks ahead of a lot of other people in my mind. And he might be the fifth most talented offensive lineman ahead of Brewer. So it, to me, having that extra piece, like I don't care anymore that it was a second and third round pick. Like to me, if anything, that says that they both have enough ability to be NFL to, starters. To be NFL starters. And that's a good problem to have, especially when you have an aging center and an, and, and a t left tackle who's dealt with injuries. And, you know, like there's just 
you got an undersized left guard. There could be things that need to be moved around and to have extra pieces and versatility. I think we've seen it on this team the last two years. You need versatility along the offensive line, just like you need it in the secondary and in the receiving. It'll court. be interesting to see what happens when they go up against the Ravens in preseason, because obviously very good defense that the Ravens are, have built. That means that their depth pieces are really, really good. So you're going to see, are we going to see NPF suddenly struggle like Raiden's did last year because, you know, some guys rush in the passer. Is that the, like, outside of Willis, which is going to get all the headlines, is because there's no reason to keep Raiden's or NPF off the field, right? You're not resting right. them against the Ravens. I think I could argue that is the most important thing to watch on the team against yeah, the Ravens, I, I, depending on how many reps they get. I, I would say that and what the wide receivers that we talked about earlier do that are yeah. fighting for that sixth spot. Um, I think that's the most important thing. Okay. I, it's gonna I, be, I agree. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, let's see here. You want to talk Willis? Yes. Let's talk Willis. So, Stacking some days. So a couple good days in a row for him. Um, Monday, he was more decisive. And when he throws it and plants and his feet are right, as we've said a million times, it gets there couple of throws he made, um, and, and one was what I thought showed progress, and let me sort of talk through it with you and see what you think. Yeah. So there was, he goes through his first read, and this was in a two-minute drill. So he goes through his first read, doesn't have it, pats the football, and at that moment, that is when I have seen him throughout camp struggled with the next thing to do, right? So he goes through the first read, it's not there. Now what do I do? Pat the ball, panic, turn, 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 scramble out when I'm not, when I'm not supposed to. Instead, he finds his first read, doesn't have it, pats the ball, goes to the second read, and fires it and completes it for like an eight-yard pass. And I, I and people were kind of like, oh, that he's got to get rid of that pat. And I kind of was like, but wait a second. He, he threw in rhythm on the second progression, and that to me is a sign of progress because he wasn't doing that even just on Thursday last Expl week. Explain to me how Malik Wills' pat is a problem versus Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, and all it's, these other guys. It, it's not a pat unless it's like – it's not a sorry. It's not a problem. Is it, is it is it a second that he's trying to do? I mean, like, is he losing a second or is he losing time, valuable time? Yes, it is. Or is it, he telegraphing some? I don't think it's telegraphing. It to me, it's a not having spoken to him about this. To Which me, he, I'm surprised that nobody's asking right. about the pat because that's all anybody <laughs> wants to talk about. But everybody's, I guess, too scared when they have him in front of a microphone to ask. <laughs> Cowards. <laughs> well, you could you could say that to me. Um, but I'll, it to everybody. I'll, you're here. I'll, you're you're in next to it. I'll ask him. It's fine. Um, it, to me, it's a. I'm not sure what to do. Like it's where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? I'm panicking. I'm panicking. To me, it's a sign of like stress. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Well, but, but, but why was it not for Peyton Manning? Is it just because it was Peyton Manning? Well, Pey I guess like because I think right now in his very first camp, having never played a game, it it is clear like getting to the progression and pulling the trigger on so the second. It's a nervous read. tick more so Maybe, yeah. than a, just a habit. And I think it's a growth process with learning how to go through reads and progressions where I think he struggled early in camp. And even on Thursday in the two minute drill, I did not think he was particularly good in going through his reads. He would, he would sort of slow down and panic and then yeah, pull he only, the ball. He, let, let's, let's go back to that Thursday because he only had really one. Okay. Series in the seven on sevens, 11 on elevens. He only had one. Okay. Good series. One, one really two good one. drills. And because that was two minute drill day, but the rest of them were terrible. And then you come yeah. in on Friday and it seems like he cleaned up a lot of stuff yeah. and he had maybe two or three good drills, his best day at camp yep. on Friday. Yep. Then Saturday or Sunday was good. Sunday was probably his best camp since Friday. Yep. Or and then today, another good camp. I would say, and today he made a couple of like even today, for example, there was a he got pressure, first read, knew he had, I think it was Traylon Burks and one-on-one -on -one coverage on the outside on like sort of a fade route, and he did it as a like, I've got to get rid of the ball. 
I'm in a pressure situation. I can't hold the football any longer. And he gets rid of it deep down the sideline. It was actually a great throw. Burks makes a great catch, but only gets one hand, one foot down because the defensive back made a great play. And it's one of those where I'm standing there with like four dudes and we all just go, what a throw, what a catch, what a defensive play, incomplete pass. But it goes as like a it goes as like a positive play for everybody because what he did was he felt the pressure, knew the route to go to in that situation, and chucked it up, and it was a good throw. So what what you're starting to see is the comfort with the progressions and the reads and that kind of stuff because when he is comfortable and believes in what he sees, the ball gets there really fast. There's no question about that. And and you know it, like when he wants to set and throw, it, it is it gets there real quick and it, real quick real quick even. And so I this it's just growing. It's growing. I think people are gonna go nuts on Thursday night because he's gonna make some bad plays and people are gonna, you know, lose their minds over a couple of bad plays. But um <laughs> he's gonna have like two passes knocked down, three sacks, and then like three really great plays and like one amazing run. Yeah. And we're all gonna go, ah, it's a hemi- well, I noticed they brought bad. him in on a read option in when Woodside's eleven on eleven, which I thought was interesting today. That is an interesting so and I've asked a few people about this, and I don't know. No one has an answer. And that is, is he active? They're going to carry three. Is he good enough in some in some um, packages, some specific packages? Is he good enough to be active, which I yeah. guess is what is 46 man instead yeah. of 53, right, on Sundays? And that is a question nobody has an answer for yet. Normally, you would not have a third quarterback active. Yeah, I think, I think that would be real hard. It, you'd have to get rid of probably a running back that you have on the yeah. list. I, I don't, but again, be a wide receiver. If you carry seven wide receivers, you switch them out. I think it's going to be a team by team, whoever you're yeah. facing against. The question is, is he good enough to trust with the ball in his hands in games? I guess that's what we'll see these and next three weeks. What we're going to find out. I mean, you're talking about, I, I mean, we'll maybe talk about it a little on Friday, but I don't expect Logan Woodside to play a full half. I don't, I oh, expect, a, I want to see Willis as much as possible. Yeah, I, I think yeah. they want to see Willis as mm-hmm. much as possible. And I think thank you as fans, obviously outside of the excitement factor should want to see Willis as much as possible. Cause you need, he needs the reps. It's what everybody's talked about. Yeah. There's no question about that. And I've been, I've been very encouraged. You know, we've, we preach on the show to not worry about what you hear on Willis in the negative light. It's bound to happen. He's going through the growing pains. We tell you the problems, the issues that he's had rolling out to the left. In fact, I can't remember if it's Saturday or Friday, but he went out to the left and apparently made a, a connected on a pass. I don't know if it was a, a rollout, but he did yeah. throw to his left, which has been, regardless of rolling out or not, has been a, a pretty big hindrance for him because it's a, it's a wider field, right? Yep. I mean, when you talk about a wider field, there's different geometry and speed and arm angles that you have to take as a rookie. Yep. And being that he comes from an offense that didn't use all that, then you 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 run into this kind of stuff but i think it's very encouraging i think they're do i think that he's going to overtake logan woodside as quarterback two in a month i doubt yeah, doubt no. it but it's not really that high of a bar to do you just this? have to get command of the offense logan woodside obviously has command of the offense regardless whether he's hitting jeff swain for three passes in a row for some odd fucking reason yeah. <laughs> the trail and burks chico Conquo, and robert woods are all on the field well there's a there's there's a moment like almost on every possession with Logan Woodside where you're like great read, great decision, perfectly in rhythm, two and a half yards over his head or wide. And you're just going like, that's the Logan Woodside novel. And it's not a bad thing. It's a good, it's a good asset to have because he's in the right situation and makes the right decision all the time. And then, but what I'm seeing is let's say this, if, 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 cause Willis ran the two minute today and I thought he was significantly better than he was on Thursday. 
Does that mean anything? No, but let's just say that it does for a second. If his growth from Thursday to Monday is the same pace of growth that we see over the next three weeks, he will gain ground on Logan Woodside quickly. Yeah. Does that mean he's prepared to go in and win a game behind Tannehill if he gets hurt? Probably not. But is he going to gain enough ground to be to make it a tougher decision? Is he going to gain enough ground to show that first off they made the right choice of all the quarterbacks to take, and yeah. to feel comfortable about next year? Because that's what this this whole year for Malik Willis is: how much growth and confidence, how much growth can you show to yeah, give the yeah. team confidence? Absolutely, and I think so far, again, as we've said on this show, while while being critical of passing and decision and footwork and all these other things that we're supposed to do. Yeah. It's still the attitude and the skills have always been there from the beginning. And as long as he's got those two things, he can get better. And he is showing us that he can get better. Let's see what it looks like on Thursday night. He, he has shown us he can get better. He has shown the staff. He can get better. Cause that's all they talked about is that you rare. He put, he, he sheds his mistakes. I yes. thought that was a really good thing to hear. That's was that? Line, by the way. Yeah. Some like Nick Saban leadership yeah. stuff right there. Like he just basically, the mistakes roll off of him and he doesn't hold on to him and he goes out there and tries to fix them as quickly as possible. And I think that's what you want to hear from a young quarterback and not that he shrinks in the spotlight like a desperate Patrick. You think he still does? You still picking on him now, or is it from last I year? Heard. I heard. I heard. I saw a report right. that he slouched. All right, uh, let's go position by position. One thing you're excited about. One thing you're concerned about. Defensive line, Zachary Lyons. I am excited for the next evolution of Jeffrey Simmons. We talk <laughs> about the next evolution Man. of Studio Space. That's the terrifying. next evolution of Jeffrey Simmons. I think that Jeffrey Simmons is going to make the case, and I think you 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 brought you said the same thing a couple weeks ago that he may be the best defensive player not named Aaron Donald. I think he's the second best defensive lineman on the planet. Yeah, and now, but he yes. can make the push for the second best defensive player Ooh, in the NFL. Including, like, linebacker yeah. safety corners. Okay. I think, I think that he's going to become a household name, and I'm excited to see that next step, and we have lost. We have lost our camera. We've lost our camera. We've lost our camera here. All right, we'll just keep talking uh, about our position groups here and maybe some of the produ- production staff, the crack production staff, can come uh, fix our camera here on the webcam. So I, I'm, let, let's. Uh, I'll give you what I'm excited about with the defensive line, and that that is the depth and the talent with the defensive line, not just behind Jeffrey Simmons, but also with T.R. Tart's development, with Danico Autry being as good as he is, with development from some other pieces on this group. I, I don't think that's merch, but I really like Jaden Peavy potentially to push for a roster spot on the back end. I really love the depth and versatility of this defensive line. And if you are including somewhat potentially the, you know, the outside linebackers, because Rashad Weaver is a little bit more of a defensive lineman, even if you put all those pieces together, you've got an incredibly versatile, incredibly talented, very deep group of, of defensive linemen that can kind of play all over. You can slide Autry out on passing downs. You can move him inside on running down. Same thing with PV, same thing with uh, Demarcus Walker has been, uh, an extremely talented player for this team that clearly they love. So there's a whole lot going on with this defensive line that I think is very good and versatile. Now, the the only concern I have with this group would be Jeffrey Simmons is so good and so talented and so studly, Zach, that there's nobody that does like they don't have the I love the depth and the versatility. I don't think they have the elite upside outside of Simmons and Autry. And that's the only question really. Um, when it comes down to it. So again, we apologize for technical difficulties in terms of the visual element. 
We are going to continue rolling here. You can still here. hear our lovely voices, yeah. so it really doesn't matter. We're going to continue rolling here uh, until anyway. So, uh, concern for you. for I did my positive and negative. You do your concern. I, I think, I think my matter. concern is, what is this defensive line without Jeffrey Simmons? That's that's what I... Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what you were saying. So, you know, I because I love the depth. I love that your starting five are all yep. guys that can contribute. But if if Simmons is gone, obviously you could probably still roll hey, with Danico Autry. And there we are. And uh, Weiss Licker's got a lot of love that yeah, during that second. Yeah, that's the only it. thing that stayed up. <laughs> it's the only thing <laughs> they could see. Right uh, Danico Autry and Tier Tart are obviously would be your starting tune tier, and they would probably shift to yep. you know uh, more outside linebackers, more defensive backs. Yep. But you know Jeffrey Simmons is, I think, the guy that you got to be a little concerned about. As far as can he? What is this defense without him? What is this he's defensive line without him? He's the linchpin. Yeah. Like to me, he's the Jenga piece. They, yes, they can win a Super Bowl with a questionable Ryan Tannehill. They, I don't think you can win a Super Bowl without Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, I, I would agree. So, all right, uh, inside linebacker, inside yeah. li- or uh, it's, yeah, inside it's linebacker next. I think you you said at the very beginning when we did the depth chart that this is not a position you're concerned about. You think it's high quality. This and. I, while I love David Long and I love Zach Cunningham, like I am worried about the depth on this position because I uh, don't. They're starting to take hits, <laughs> you well, know? right? And Money Rice hasn't been out there yet. Campbell and Cole are okay. I just think that you're relying on David Long and Zach Cunningham to be healthy 17 games, and Money Rice to be healthy 17 games for this group to be itself. And I don't know, like there's, I think the drop off to Rice is steep, and then I think the drop off after Rice is even steeper. Yeah, I I would go to the fact that. I think the depth has taken a, obviously a big hit because you that's my concern as well is obviously we we've seen it for multiple years now that this inside linebacker position has been a black hole for injuries yeah. like it's just like yeah. injuries just happen to these well, guys so they what happens? can stay healthy I mean if you're undersized you play a tough situation it's a tough position yeah so it's 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 rough to see that Monty Rice still hasn't been able to come back. He's listed as still injured on the depth chart. Chance Campbell's up there. Now, Chance Campbell's making plays, but it is a six-round Chance Campbell. But if any team can make Chance Campbell into David, something... David Long's a fifth-round pick, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's this team. So yeah. it's like... I, it's, it's hard for me to not necessarily diss Chance Campbell. Like I don't think you're dissing. Chance I, I'm Campbell. not dissing him at all. No. I, I don't. That's not a word that kids use. I don't yeah. think anymore either. Well, I, they should bring it back. I'm bringing it back. I think <laughs> that I think when you look at Dylan Cole and Chance Campbell, I look at it at the sense that they can get you by for a couple of games. And are they your season long answers? I think Chance Campbell could turn into a season long answer for this team just because of how this team okay. develops their linebackers fairly quickly. Are they better the only than linebacker they, they couldn't develop was Rashawn Evans, and he's just an idiot. Well, he also started higher up, too, on yeah. the, than all these guys. Um, is, are they better than Will, Will Compton? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's not even close. It's mean-spirited by me. I'm sorry. <laughs> not um, even close. All right. Uh, one, one thing you're excited about. Uh, I'm excited about... I'm just excited about the linebackers in general. Linebacker, for me... I don't know why it's been this way, but I get maybe Keith Bullock is, is a big thing. I've always enjoyed watching linebackers play. I've always appreciated them. the linebacker position. I think it's the quarterback of the defense in mo- most cases. Yep. It's a cerebral cerebral position mm-hmm. that then that's why Rashawn Evans struggled so much. But I I really just like it. I, I like David Long's leadership, the excitement. It, my excitement stems from towards David Long. I like okay. the leadership that he's going to show. I think that that's much needed. I think that will help the linebackers immensely. 
And I think that when you really look at it, these are all kind of exciting guys. Monty Rice is an excitingly athletic guy, right? Chance Campbell, um, maybe he doesn't, isn't this household name, but this is a guy that tackles. Like you can count on him to tackle and that's what you need. They they draft good tacklers. Almost all the players they draft are good tacklers. And Dylan Cole is still Dylan Cole. I mean, he's, he's not an exciting name, but he's an Auburn prospect or he's from Auburn as well. Another SEC, you you know, linebacker. He's got, you got three SEC line, but four SEC linebackers. And West Virginia basically is an SEC school. Yeah. So, so uh, here's what I'm excited about. And I may be alone on this. I may yeah. be alone on Zach Cunningham Island, but I, I just, he's, and maybe I'm biased towards the past and that's my fault. And I'm guilty of this because I thought he was one of the, my, he's one of, if not my favorite Vanderbilt Commodore of all time. He was maybe the only Houston Texan that I thoroughly loved watching play. I just think if he is back to himself, he is an he can be an exceptional player. So I'm excited about his potential return to himself. If that doesn't happen, I'll put my hand up and I'll be wrong and I'll be accounted for and I'll say, hey guys, I'm sorry I was alone on Zach the Cunningham only thing Island. He has to improve is his, his predilection to actually bite on play action. And and maybe they put him in the situation to to be again, because he can pressure up the middle, he can pressure off the edge, like they can use him in blitz packages. Like, don't put him in the situation. Let David Long be the guy that has to make that decision. Yeah. Maybe they can figure that out. But I just have always loved his game. And again, maybe I'm being too nostalgic here and guilty and, and whatever, but I just am excited about what Zach Cunningham could be with a full year in the offseason into the, the system. The Titans defense and the fans should be super excited about a full season of Zach Cunningham and David Long together. Okay, so no, I'm, not, no, I'm, no. You're not, I'm not alone on no, the island. No, no, then? no. Okay. no right. I I love Zach Cunningham. I do not like him in passing situations. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, go, go Molden and Hooker yeah. up into the box, pull Cunningham but off I the think, field. I think that most people like Zach Cunningham. Maybe they don't like the price tag. Maybe that's what you're sensing, but who gives a shit about someone else's money? <laughs> it's, it's not our money. Yeah, but I'm it's looking at it from this way. Zach Cunningham and David Long, this defense really kicked into overdrive when Zach Cunningham was picked up. They, they, they were clearly better than Jayon Brown or Sean Evans or Sean Evans and David Long. does not matter. Okay, They were clearly better, so now you're going to have a ostensibly a full season of these two guys. Okay. Let's go. Let's roll. All right. I love it. I love it. Edge players, edge players. Here's, I, I have no concerns about this other than depth, which is a cop-out answer in, a, in football. Um, See, I, I like the depth. I don't think you've got, well, it's more like just like there's four. Yeah. One of them hasn't played really a full season of football in Reaver, but I love his skills. Like there is nothing. I don't question Dupree in anything. I don't question Landry in anything. I think Weaver's going to be a heck of a player. I think Adena, he's a perfect number four. It's more about like what happens do you need, if you need a fifth one. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of where I'm like, I don't know. Well, I think Danico Autry, Demarcus Walker are both your fifth one. That's probably, that's, that's, fair. I mean, that's your fifth and sixth edge players because they both have played yeah. that edge spot. So to me, that's kind of how I view it. I, I'm excited for a healthy season of Bud Dupree. I don't know how anybody can not be excited to see mm, this. That's good. They were clearly better, clearly. Harold Landry was clearly better when Bud Dupree was on the field. And that's because he demands attention no matter what people want to say and try to discount what he does just because he doesn't stack up the sexy box score numbers and his limited playing time last year is just clearly better. There's a distinct correlation dating back to the Pittsburgh Steelers days that they were clearly better. It's just math. It's science. It's a scientific fact that this team and any team that Bud Dupree is on since about 2017 I think is when this started happening, this phenomenon, the Bud Dupree effect, started happening. Force multiplier. He's a force multiplier. Let, so I talked to somebody, um, oh, I don't know, it's a couple days ago, 
and they were comparing they were kind of raving about dupree and i was like yeah the physical traits are just extraordinary and he doesn't get talked about enough and this guy says he's got way better physical traits than tj watt it's not even close he goes this is a person who was close to pittsburgh for a while and he said it's not even close like tj does things differently because he works differently than everybody else like he's just he's one of those like Jerry Rice, Michael Jordan, Nick Saban type of people that just works harder than everybody else. But he goes, if you st- you stack him up against Dupree, Dupree's the better football player, like the more athletic guy. And I think that that gets lost in all of this is just, especially when you're out there standing next to him, like he is just the most physically gifted. Like him and Jeffrey Simmons are the two most physically gifted humans on the defense. And I believe it. And I'm not sure it's close. Like I'm, like Farley could be close to that group because yeah. out of the physical like size and skills. But Dupree is a. I, I mean, I'm with you. Like same thing with Lawan. Like coming off the knee, they weren't they weren't there at the beginning of last season, and they could be this year, should be this year, look like they are this year. You know, let, let's it, see what it, they do. It matters to have. It matters for Harold Landry's success to have someone yeah. like Bud Dupree across the way from him. It just matters, and I think that when you're talking about building upon the success of last year, having a healthy Dupree is the main component in my mind of getting to that next defensive level. This is obviously, on paper, I think everybody agrees, the best defense Mike Vrabel has ever had, dating yeah. back to his Houston days, even when he had J.J. Watt and Dave and Clowney on those teams. Yeah. This is the best all-around defense that he has ever had, and I think it's going to show this year. I agree. Uh, defensive backs, let's go to the defensive backs. Let's do corners first, of course. And I, the only concern, I'm not going to say... That is exactly what I was going to say. The, I have, the, I don't have any. I'm excited about all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about the versatility. We ra- we've raved about it on this show. The only concern is, is that we are, like, with Chris Farley, Roger McCreary, Chris ha- Farley. He's a new cornerback. <laughs> Caleb Farley has never played a full season in the NFL. Roger McCreary's never played a game in the NFL. Uh, and so it's all just about how much we're depending on a bunch of youth. Chris, Christian Fulton's only played one season in the NFL. Theo Jackson. Oh, we're not to the safeties yet. But same kind of thing. Well, Shakur Brown. Shakur you're Brown about yeah, him. like this. It's I just mean, a very young group, and I think they're very, very talented. I think and Chris versatile Jackson and, has the most NFL experience, right? Yeah, I probably, mean, doesn't yeah. he? Sick was he a six round pick like four years ago? Yeah, two, three, three years, years ago. ago. Three years ago. So in 2020, yeah. so he has the most playing experience. Chris Jackson <laughs> and Greg Maben, I think, has the most years racked up in the yep. NFL, but most of those are spent on practice squad. Yep. But in, when you're talking about NFL game experience, Chris Jackson leads the way, and here he is on the depth chart at. Probably the fourth or fifth, you know, cornerback. Listen, there's a lot of Chris's. Okay. Yeah. Chris Farley. All right. Um, it's okay. The, to screw it up every now and then. I look at it and I think that youth is the concern. I think the concern is, I think there should be concern about Roger McCreary. Does it translate against other teams and other offenses that run something maybe a little bit more yeah. uh, dynamic uh, when it comes to the offense? I, I, I think it, you should be worried about Caleb Farley because of his youth, but also his injury history. There's a lot into it, but it all plays down to the youth. We don't really it's, have any experience. It's inexperience. Yeah. We don't really know what these guys are on a consistent week-to-week yeah. basis. Besides, we know what Christian Fulton is, we know what Elijah Molden is, and we know who Chris Jackson is. Like I'm confident that I know that Greg Maven can do two games yeah. max. But like <laughs> I can, I can, I know who those three guys are and what they can give the team. It's the other three guys. It's Roger McCreary. It's Caleb Farley, yep. You know those guys. What do they give you? Yep. No, there's no question about that. Um, all right, safety. You want to go safety because I'm excited yeah. about the versatility at corner. I think we're there. Uh, I think again, positives here for me. You have a clear cut, maybe, maybe the best safety tandem in the NFL from a starting standpoint. So there's clear excitement there. Um, 
I just, you know, AJ Moore and Theo Jackson, a lot of questions, inexperience with Theo. You're asking a lot of him. Um, there's just a little bit of, there, to me, it's depth and inexperience would be the two things I'm concerned about. But again, I'm excited about how versatile the entire secondary is. And I think I've said that now on every show we've done for the last six weeks. Well, I, I think, I think one thing that we haven't got to talk about yet that I really want to be, be hitting on. That's something that I'm excited about. While Google searching while talking yeah. about this, this is impressive. Is, uh, Kevin Byer and the leadership. I mean, he has gone, I think he's always been a leader, but he has gone to me to a whole nother level of leadership this off season. I, I, I think that he has gone to a place that is going to be, <sighs> I mean, his numbers were back to Kevin Byer yeah, last year. I think I think you could be looking at the verge of his best season. Uh, he's had some huge years yeah. too, statistically. I think th- there's there's going to be it, more that you don't see in the box score from Kevin Byer. I, I think you're talking about a three time All Pro when it's all said. All right. He was first team in 2017. He was first team in 2021. Right. I think you're going to see another first team All Pro, and I think you're going to see Amani Hooker with them. I agree, and. Something I don't know about, about being all pro. I'm telling you, I'm, I think it's gonna. Think is he considered happen. a top ten safety? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm predicting this is going to be right, the year like that the money. But here's what I want to say about Kevin Byard and his leadership is the fact that he's out there coaching constantly. You hear a lot about what he's doing, but you also hear about it from him. I just think it's one of those things, those intangibles that will translate to the on-field success. That he's more comfortable in who he is more than he's ever been because in 2020 during that really bad defensive performance, he was just unsure of everything around him. Then last year it was okay. I know who to report to, right? That's what he talked about. I know to report to Shane Bowen. I know to report, you know, Mm -hmm. who's to report to Mm -hmm. on the defense. There's a lot more communication. Mm -hmm. Now this year, it seems like he's the one being reported to by the players. And I think that's super important when you're talking about a two time all pro, by the way, you got a safety here. That's building yeah. a Hall of Fame resume before your eyes, and I think it's kind of not being talked about a lot. You know, I think I, I could probably be on board with with just sort of like... He's building... He's in the midst of it. Yeah, like, but I, I think to your broader point, which is we we just take him for granted. Yeah. And I think the national media takes him for granted. I think even people here, us, everybody in Nashville takes him for... I think we just sort of assume we've got that guy at the back end that's going to take care of everything. Yeah. And I think to your point, I think he's evolving outside of just this really good safety role into like this whole other piece. And I think you see it after practice a lot. He's still talking to people and he's willing to talk to every person in the media. He's going to talk to all the other players. He's going to talk to other people's families and kids. Like he's just sort of like he's become the ambassador of the team and the defense to some degree. Um, while Lawan is sort of the voice. Yeah, I think the guy you send to the U.N. is Kevin is Kevin right. Byard, for lack of a better analogy. Um, and I agree with you. I think that's not talked about enough locally or nationally that this is a guy who, and, and we're going to, this is, this might be our good transition. Here. I don't know if you've got uh, any other topics here, but this might be a good transition because I'm keeping Kevin Byard in my, my fantasy league um, because I refuse to let him hit the, the draft. Listen, if we do okay? a, we've been toying we with are the idea. Do a fantasy league. We are not doing individual defensive players. All right, Hank, let me, let's, we're going to have a quick debate here. So, let me let me, let me I say. I will not play. There's nothing thing. you can say. I will not play if we do individual. Why do you defensive hate defensive players? players? That's too much drafting. There's too much Why? going on. No. Well, but let me, let me let me. Can I make the case for you before you say no? I mean, you can try. Because the beauty of my mind. The, no, the beauty of the IDP is that it's mindless. You don't have to prepare for it. You just go to the waiver wire and grab the best one available during a bye week, and you cut the guy who's your starter, yeah, and you're that's still almost okay. Any player. 
but not, I mean, like there's certain players on your team you're never going to cut. Yeah. Like if it's a buy, you got to find a replacement. You're going to have to play a backup or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. your third receiver's you're out. About you gotta, like a 32 round draft. Like give me a. No, break. no, no, no. I'm not at all. I'm not at all. Well, we'll, we'll there's compromise here. You know, this is work life mm-hmm. balance. Yeah, here's good. what I want to say. Do you, do you have a problem with me? Uh, if, here's what I'm going to say. If Donovan, Stoney, and Donnie are watching right now, this very second, if you are watching or listening to us right now, you three will have a spot in our draft. Are you okay with that? Do you have okay with me making that? Yeah, I think so. Making that proclamation. You three have been listening and watching to these shows for a long time. You're loyal listeners. We appreciate you. So we're going to reward you three. If you can respond <laughs> immediately at, on Twitter, at FWordsPod, at Braden Gall, or in the comment section that you are currently watching or listening, and I'm gonna fi- we're going to find out, but you three will be grandfathered in. Okay. We will then come up with another way to encourage people to make the case as to why they should be in the football show, Fantasy Football League. It's not a football in the title there. Do you have a problem with that? No. We'll call it a fantasy football show. Fantasy football show league. Okay. <laughs> Something. We'll do it. And we can come up with a equitable fantasy format. I'm not I'm not forcing anything on anybody, but I do think having a couple IDPs is fun. It's just a, you know, it's you throw a little, you throw a little extra. It's not a lot of points, it's not a lot of preparation. Then why even have them? If they're, if they're so worthless and meaningless, why even have them? Because that's what you're just telling me is that no. they are worthless and meaningless. They don't even score that lot many points. You think you, they're Dupre- easily replaceable? That's what you just said in, in fantasy. But you say well, Bud Dupree and Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard are the most important players on the team, and then we're just not going to acknowledge that they're people too. Well, no, not in fantasy world. <laughs> this is a fantasy league. This is not real life. All right, here's what we're going to do ne- on Thursday. We will uh, give out the information to join the league. How about that? Okay. Does that sound good? Yes. So now everybody's prepared. Thursday, we're going to do the Fantasy Football League. We apologize about the technical difficulties. Go to Weiss Liquors, of course. Search Uber Eats. Weiss Liquors. Get liquor delivered right to your house in less than 20 minutes. The Kingston Group, buildkg.com is the website. If you have any problems or questions or thoughts about what you should do with your home, custom build, renovation, whatever, buildkg.com, the Kingston Group, are two wonderful and amazing sponsors on this show. Weiss Liquors, Kingston Group, F-Words Pod, Zach Lyons, all over the internet. You can follow them. You can tr- track them and respond and tweet them that IDPs are players too. They're humans too. It's okay. And of course, we are live from the Cast Collective studio here. If you want to book a private special event, private event, come check them out, thecastcollective.com. Turn on the, turn on the notifications. We'll be back on Thursday to preview the Ravens game and talk some fantasy football as well. He is Zach. I am Braden. Thanks for hanging out. This has been a football show. 